On this week's Movie Hilo, we're talking The Baywatch, Lesbian Contract Killers, and Ice Cream on Your Head from Marie Callender's. It's turkey time. Gobble, gobble. This is Martin Bress Geely. So, hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Movie Hilo, a podcast discussing the best and worst that cinema has to offer. This We've is, missed you. Yeah, it's been um, it's been quite a while. We took a little bit of time off. Had a lot of people writing in. <laughs> and all right, <laughs> they were demanding. Back by popular demand. <laughs> that's yes, <laughs> that's yes, exactly. Really deflating. But thank no, you. but that's you know something. Let's that's called that's called a reality check, a gut check. Let's let's be real. We're doing this. I'm here. just handing out all kinds of those today. We're we're here for us. You're not here for us. Okay, George. We Carlin. might be here for you. I don't know. Nobody's here for you. Uh, nobody's here for you. That was I remember. That was the um, that was the line we went and saw George Carlin. I was. Two years before he passed away. It was the I only know. time I'd ever seen him It's going to make it a yearly life. thing. I know. We, went, we made it for one of your birthdays. Greatest comedian of all time, my all-time favorite comedian. And that was one of the bits that he had. He had on stage with him, uh, he had like a whole notebook or he had a whole bunch of notes and he would keep referring to his notes. And it was, he he had to like call attention to it because he's so, he's he, that guy had like a steel trap for a brain. He just remember mm. he was such, he was so great he with words. He was a genius. Um, he was like the greatest comedian, but he had to he had to, he had to call out the fact that he had to keep referring to his notebook, you know, to make fun of it for himself. So he was just like, you know, I, he's like, ladies, I'm sorry, I apologize, I'm getting a little old now. I gotta I gotta refer to my notes every once in a while. He's like, you know, I don't I I, I do this because I love this. You know, that's that's the only reason I'm still here. So look at it like this: I'm here for me, you're here for me, nobody's here for you. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was awesome. Um, this week. Ladies and gentlemen, our our movie is Geely, directed by Martin Brest, released on... Not to be confused with Julie Brest. Not to to be confused with Marty Tits. Released on August 1st, 2003. It's a low episode, says who. IMDb has rated it at 2.5. It is in the bottom 100 at number 19. Has 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. Nominated for nine Razzies, won seven of them. Um... This is just a a very lowly regarded piece of garbage. Um, try to put yourself back in this time. This was like the summer of 2003, the height of Benefer, mm-hmm. when all you could fucking read about or hear about. I mean, this is even kind of before. I mean, this is before really like social media, but it was still That's somehow being jammed down your throat. Yeah. All you fucking saw News and, and heard was fucking Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Benifer, it was like ben, it was so gross. It was like enough is enough is what enough. What came first, Benifer or Brangelina? Um, that's a good question. I think I think it was <laughs> what came first, the chicken or the egg. I think it was Benifer. One gave way to the other, and then it became the thing that was like every Hollywood couple had their yeah. little acronym. The difference was the difference was that I guess that they were a I don't know legitimate couple versus well I guess Brangelina was a legitimate couple, but it was like the whole thing about that was Brad Pitt's cheating on. Jennifer Aniston. Aniston. Yeah. So that was a whole other scandal in the media. But um, for anyone who hasn't seen the film, let's do a quick synopsis. Larry Geely, a low-rent amateur L.A. gangster, is tasked with kidnapping the mentally challenged brother of a high-ranking district attorney. While holding him hostage, he's approached by Ricky, a lesbian contract killer who's been hired by Geely's boss to keep his incompetence from wrecking the job. 
As a tempestuous love-hate relationship ensues, we wonder, will this bull-cow duo be able to adroitly execute their extortion scheme? Will Affleck flip his second on-screen lesbian in less than a decade? (laughs) And how the fuck will they be able to stretch this razor-thin plot over the course of two full hours? Uh, I, I I couldn't take the synopsis seriously because the movie that doesn't was part, take honey, the you movie always seriously. Write it so perfectly. Oh, thank you, you so do. much. Um, initial, all right, so everyone knows how fucking bad this movie is, or everyone's heard how fucking bad this movie is, right? I mean, it is bad, but at the same time, it, they really are like probably worse movies than this. You're so you're so forgiving of bad, uh, like I, you're I'm so forgiving in general. Yeah, too it's, forgiving. It's really, <laughs> Arguably, probably, too. probably. But the thing about this movie is that it's it's notorious for the fact that it was a huge, huge bomb, right? It this thing fucking flopped like nobody's business. In fact, I think it holds the record for the single biggest. Um, weekend drop off oh. like it literally because usually like the like the, Friday was good and then Saturday was like forget no it. like like week to week drop off so like yeah. the first oh. weekend like say it makes whatever on the first weekend typically what happens with movies is they drop a specific amount of percentage so if you whatever you make on your first weekend is like the most money you're typically going to make and it's like maybe I don't know a 15% drop off I the understand. next weekend it almost never except for Titanic right there are some movies where they Exception get, they get the right they go right. up and that's yeah. where that's where they become like these crazy uh, like success Titanic. stories yeah, Titanic's yeah. one of those that just it just made more and more money as it it's went like on it's like over a year it's like but, okay number one but the, the typical but the typical kind of released theatrical theatrical release movie you know, its first weekend is usually its uh, banner weekend, and then there's a drop off, and it's usually a mitigated percentage of like there's this. It drops off by fifteen percent is the average, or something like that. This movie, it was something ridiculous, like where it dropped like eighty percent, like it, like the thing just sank. It just sank to the bottom of the ocean, and and part of it was that. You know the movie sucked, and the word the book on the book on the movie was that it sucked. People knew that it was going to suck. I mean, I, we just rewatched the trailer before because we 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 actually we watched the movie a couple weeks ago, so we had to kind of refresh ourselves. So we watched the trailer, and it's like, God, this is a bad trailer. So people knew. Was I think coming to make out it of the, something it wasn't, but a lot of trailers they knew. That, they knew that coming out of the gate, they knew this. But was how many times be you watch a trailer for a movie? We're like, look at how it was trying. You can tell how that was trying to be marketed, right? And, you know, you know, and like, that's well, that's and that becomes a big part of the story is that at the time. When this movie was released, people were like done with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Like Benifer had like already ran its course. They were, it was it had been enough as so enough. The Benifer movie, no so things, right? you've got you've got this Hollywood couple that people are just tired of. The marketing campaign sucks, and then on top of that, the thing that's that's notorious about this movie is that it was a post production nightmare. Like this thing was taken over by the studio and recut to shit. So. Um, you know, Martin. Well, it's not one of the things that the director tries to say, like, you know, it was a great story, but, the, you know, when they took it in post, they just ruined it. It's a very common tale, happens a lot, a lot of times. Now, Martin Brest, this is the, the two things about this movie that are, are hugely known is that it was a big post production nightmare uh, and that it was completely recut and changed. And also, it caused Martin Brest to retire. Martin Brest was a, his name aside, dude was a legitimate respected director the guy made midnight run scent of a woman the original beverly hills cop like he was actually a pretty well-regarded filmmaker and this was the movie that because of the experience of making this movie like this guy stopped making films like he's done he's like i'm i am done i'm all done the thing about this movie or at least what i've read is that it was supposed to be an edgier 
gangster style film, but because of the high profile relationship between Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, the studio wanted to recut it to be more reflective of a romantic comedy. So the allegedly there were romantic comedy elements of the film that were played up and the more grittier, edgier gangster film version was played down. Now, this is my contention, is that even if, let's just say for for the sake of argument, there's some additional 15 to 20 millions of brilliant footage that would have somehow saved this movie, would have somehow made it a great film, I contend that there's, you would still have to go back into this movie and hull out 40 to 45 minutes of total filler and garbage that's in this movie. Like, I can understand the Martin Brest, to, to his credit, and, and you, know, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt, I'm sure he tried to make a better movie, and there probably is a better movie that could have been released than what was released. Right. But there, were plenty, there, was plenty, there was plenty of shit in this movie that was written and filmed that made it into the movie that sucked. And if you were going to make this a better movie, a lot of that had to go. So part of me is a little bit skeptical of how much grittier and edgier this thing would have been if the studio got involved. I mean, I'm sure the studio made it worse because they wanted to play up the benefit aspect of it. But this movie is, is it has no reason to be two hours long. Like it is just stuffed full of shit. Like, is it stuffed like a turkey? Gobble it's stuffed. Go- <laughs> it's turkey time. Huh? Gobble, gobble. The movie opens with Ben Affleck is it's like this it's like this point of view perspective uh, from someone's point of view on Ben Affleck threatening a person which we find out is stuck in like an industrial size dryer mm-hmm. is the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Some really hacky uh, stupid voiceover about how nobody fucking knows nothing and him doing, I don't know what kind of accent he's trying to do <laughs> in this entire movie, but like, fuck a Larry Jill, he's fucking, he's, he's playing some kind of cartoon even character. Even Ben Affleck, who is from Boston, struggles to do a Boston accent. So what does that tell you? I mean, he's from here. <laughs> he, can, he, can, he can do the Boston accent okay, I guess, but like, it, I don't know what kind of tough guy accent. At what point he was doing like this foghorn leghorn thing? It's just weird. Right? It's just like this very silly cartoon character, you know, what I think of I know, but then at one point he sounded like he was trying to be like, like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, he was all over the place. I mean, this is, the truth is, just, we should probably say, I mean, this is how I feel. Like, I actually really honestly think that the thing, the the way, if I were to describe this movie in one word, it would be embarrassing. Gobble. Embarrassing. Because the thing is, is that like everybody who's in this movie should be embarrassed. (laughs) Is legitimately better. Like Martin Bress is a good film director. Ben Affleck's a a really good actor and actually a really good director. And J Lo is great too. So it's like everybody in this movie is kind of humiliating themselves. Something like something didn't work. Something didn't gel right from the jump. And it's and it it like it like hits you right from the first couple of moments in this movie. Um. So yeah, I mean that that first opening scene I thought was kind of shitty. I all I took note of was the awful kind of stock jazz music score. Mm-hmm. But there were also moments when I felt like the music was trying to be deliberately Saccharine. sentimental. Yeah. And it was it wasn't working because I was like, are you trying to make me feel bad or make me feel like this is a uh, Rain Man or like a Cider House Rules <laughs> or like a drama in some way like cuz I don't it, <laughs> uh, 
it's it's tr- I, I I all my notes, all my actual notes, like uh, there's it there's, was confusing at first, and then after I'm like, wow, it's really trying to do that, but it's like not doing it effectively. It just it's, flips it's on kind a of dime. All, the movie itself is kind of all over the place. Yeah, with it that. just flips on a dime. And all of a sudden, what characters are you supposed to? It's like boom, 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 What? What's that? You hear that? No. What is that? Oh, it's the walkie-talkie again. Hello. And then it goes into all of a sudden this like saccharine. And it'll just flip. It'll just turn on a dime. Like the right. movie's so trying is to manipulate awakenings? you. Yeah. The Baywatch is where they really are. They're really there. I think you could be friends there. There's at least there's at least six times throughout the movie where I literally just wrote down as my notes what the fuck is happening with the score. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it is all over. I the place. put uncertain what music is trying to convey at times. False sentimentality scene where he first meets mentally challenged kid and the read to me Larry before the whole funny thing was reading the Tabasco <laughs> yeah. bottle. But the scene it was the same exact music that came up again. It was the same exact heavy strings and you know way loaded reverb like yep. just you know. What are they trying to do? <laughs> so once we're introduced to Gili, Larry Gili, who I think at the beginning of the movie has to make, he has to say something about his name where he's like, Gili, it sounds like really, just so the people know what the fuck, how to pronounce his name correctly. Um, we meet his boss, who is Murmur from The, from the mm. Sopranos. Um, that was one of my highs I wrote down, Murmur. Yeah. He, so he shows, I had a heart murmur when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I had a heart murmur. That's the, the, the uh, luxury lounge. Ben Kingsley. Yep, where he's, yeah, the luxury lounge episode of The Sopranos mm-hmm. with Murmur. What's um, the genesis? Murmur's an interesting name. What's the genesis? I had a heart murmur when I was a kid. Basically, the plot of the movie is, is kind of spelled out to us very quickly at the beginning, which is that the the task at hand is that Geely's kind of like this uh, rookie wannabe gangster who works for this guy who uh, clearly, I don't even know what the fuck his deal is, but Murmur, I guess, is the head L.A. gangster. I don't know what he is, but he's telling him we, we got it. We have to kidnap this guy because we're going to try and get him, his his attorney, his district attorney brother to drop the charges against And the district somebody. attorney brother is Al Pacino. No. Oh. Al Pacino is, is the guy they're trying to get the charges dropped against. Oh, did you watch this movie? Yeah, no, I did, but I thought he was the one the whole thing no, was no, against. No, no, no. He shows up later. He, but he shows up later because he's the guy. As from from what I can cull from this movie, he's the guy who they are trying to get the charges dropped against, and he gets pissed off. But we'll get there. Um, the first plot problem for me is is this right here. So, Geely goes to kidnap this guy. The the, the guy's the character's name is Brian, and he's a he's a mentally challenged uh, character who is living in, I don't know, a home or something. And he's got he's to kidnap this guy to get leverage, right? This is the easiest fucking kidnapping I've ever seen in the history of film. This guy just walks into this, I don't know, like is it a, is it a group home or whatever it is? He just walks in, sits down with them, starts talking to them for a few minutes about the Baywatch, and then like leaves. Like, is there... Is anyone, does, did he have to like meet somebody at like the reception or like sign a form not or sign in? To work, no. What the fuck? I mean, but I'm saying like, is, is this not the, this is a major plot point. We have to kidnap the brother of a district attorney who happens to be mentally challenged. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself could have been the entire first act of the movie is like, how do we get him? What do we do? He fucking walks in and sits down with the dude and just has 
a random conversation and walks out with them and puts them in a convertible and drives away without anybody interacting or asking a single question. Hmm. Kind of like in 12 Monkeys, right? When he's trying to escape and I was making that argument like, really the guy reading the newspaper at the desk at the elevators wasn't going to be like, guard, stop him. He was just like, okay, do what you got to do. But we're, we're talking about two different but concepts. But still, it was the same thing. That was something that I thought was a plot hole. Like, really? Yeah. Most movies, it's like, guard, stop him. Like, you can tell he's a patient trying to escape and the cop's just like sitting there at the desk. But I'm the saying, did that, up, like, did, eh. that, did that strike you at all when you were watching it? Like, how simple it was for it's, him? It's, I feel like it's the same thing where it's a case of, well, if they didn't do that, they wouldn't have a movie. So that's what they have to, like, you have to kind of suspend the disbelief. I feel like a, a good movie, like, tries to invest in the ideas behind the concept. How so it might actually happen. So it's like, okay, act one. Here's a gangster who needs to kidnap the brother of a district attorney. What is the story? Like, during the fucking Ocean's Eleven is an entire movie planning a fucking casino robbery. We couldn't spend a little bit of time making anything make sense about trying to kidnap some fucking guy's brother. Like, it just seems really fucking lazy. Yeah, well, I mean. And very silly. I mean, that could be evident in the final product of this movie. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, and this is where I'm trying to say, like, when 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 the when the claim is that, no, this was really going to be a good movie, but the studio made us recut it and make it a rom-com. Part of me is like, well, was there anything like what were you guys thinking when it came to this shit? Like, was there anything behind getting the fucking guy out of the the, the group home or the institution or wherever he was? Like, I, I don't know. I just, that was the first thing that I was immediately like, OK, this the, like. It makes no sense that he just walks into this facility and takes this guy without any conflict whatsoever. Just puts him in a car and drives away. Mm-hmm. The, the whole the whole conceit with which he's able to to get this kid to come with him is the kid's talking about how he loves the Baywatch. He loves the Baywatch. Mm-hmm. So Ben Affleck or which Julie, is funny because my mom used to like that. Show the too. Baywatch. <laughs> she used to say, "I'm watching Baywatch." So he's going to take him to the Baywatch. So once he gets him in the car, the kid's like, Let's, "He's he's freaking out. He's going bananas." And this is important to note too, because the kid is is erratic. He's he's mentally challenged. He's he's fucking erratic. He, he his behavior is unpredictable, right? And that's something that I think is another problem that we're going to get to in a second. But he starts going nuts, and then Ben Affleck to try and quell him. I, what does he pick up like a flashlight or something? And he's pretending that he's talking on the phone, and he's like, "Oh no, the Baywatch is closed today. Oh shit." I think he picks up his actual phone and he. No, he's he's, he's got he's got like a he's got clearly a fake thing. I can't remember what it was. Oh. I feel like it was a flashlight or something. Yeah, he picks up something that is clearly not a cell phone. A to, to make fun of how stupid the kid is, and pretend to talk like, "Oh, well, the Baywatch is closed today." Or at least pull one over on him, huh? Or to at least pull one over on him, like, right? Because he knows that he's not spry enough to figure out what he's doing. Right. So that's the joke: is that the kid doesn't know that he's not talking into a real cell phone, and oh, the Baywatch is closed. We got to go tomorrow. So he brings him back to his apartment, and Larry Geely's apartment is where we're going to spend about fifty percent, sixty percent of this movie. He's just in this guy's fucking apartment, mm-hmm. um, which, under normal circumstances, isn't a problem. I got no problem with like a single location, but like, there's the movie is just so fucking boring and nonsensical. That it's like, oh God, we're just stuck in this apartment for so long. So the second plot problem shows up here. And this is when J-Lo shows up, right? She knocks on his door. This scene where she's introduced, I think, is so bizarre and makes no sense whatsoever. She knocks on his door and she's pretending like she's a neighbor who needs... To mm-hmm. use his phone. And even us as the audience are like, no, you're not. Right. But okay. It's, it's very clear. Right? This is a ruse. But 
there's there's this extended conversation between them about her needing to use his phone and him not wanting to let her in because he's got Brian mm-hmm. that he's trying to hide. After an extended bunch of bullshit, he lets JLo in. And then JLo comes into the apartment and she sits there and now there's this extended scene where she's talking to Affleck, she's talking to Brian, she's being all sweet. She picks up the phone, she makes this phone call or leaves a message or whatever she does. And it's just like, the scene is just going on and on and on. And I'm, it's like, where is this going? What's happening? And then towards, then finally at one point she pulls Affleck aside and the thing just flips on a dime. And all of a sudden she's like berating him, being like, you're, you're a fuck up. You're totally mm-hmm. fucked up. You're right. a fucking moron. And that's the moment I wrote one of my notes. What do you got? I wrote that she was entire, entirely believable as a thug type. I guess like, yeah, she can play tough, but at the same time I was like, I don't buy that she's like some pushy domineering, um, mob figure in any way or, or muscle like, yeah, you're JLo. Yeah. You can talk and yeah, you're in good shape, but I don't know. Like the script, I'm not falling for it. You know, the script isn't doing her any favors because up to th- this entire scene. It didn't feel authentic. It felt like a joke. Almost. This entire scene, I think, I think at least what I'm gathering from the scene is that it's supposed to be her power of manipulation or her power of um, being able to convince people persuasion, being able to convince people to do what she wants them to do. She's able to get into the apartment. She's able to make a phone call and then she pulls them aside. But this whole scene just doesn't seem to have any focus. It just seems like it's this overwrought fucking cutesy Benefer dialogue to to have them spend this is where the studio probably got involved is where it's probably like let's make the scene as long as we can make it beyond the logical sense of how long it needs to be mm-hmm. because the scene goes on and on and on and on and it doesn't really make much sense other like you could have gotten the point of the scene across much faster of like she convinces him to get let in and then she tells him why she's really there or the or what's going on but once she's let in, she like berates him, gives him all this shit, and then immediately then says like, okay, we're stuck together. Basically, what she tells him is that I was hired by your boss to babysit you because he doesn't think you can do this job. Mm-hmm. So now he wants another contractor in on this job to make sure that it isn't sabotage and it doesn't go to shit. So immediately, it's like, okay, that immediately doesn't make any sense right. because it's like because the truth is it was an actual fucking mob and like the the mob head didn't believe that one of his guys could do it he wouldn't be doing it right why even why not why just hi, why not why not fucking, why not hire Jennifer Lopez from the jump why was Affleck even involved mm-hmm. and not only that Affleck pulled it off pretty flawlessly he just walked into a room and took the guy so what the fuck is the problem? Like the conflict well, I think is totally I, I, I know It's not that there was a problem, but I mean, I know what they were trying to do. They're trying to make Ben Affleck, like start him off like, yeah, I'm so macho, I'm so tough and slowly whittle away at him till he becomes moo, you know, yeah, like I'm the cat. You know what I mean? That's the whole point of why they're doing but that. But they're doing such a bad job at it. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That is the I'll point. be laying in your arms going, Moo. but it is. You make me purr like a kitty. <laughs> like, I just, what the fuck? It's so fucking dumb. It doesn't make any, I, I just don't buy the, like right at the jump, I just don't buy the plot. I don't buy the mechanics behind the plot of he's hired to do this job and then she's hired to make sure that he does the job right. 
and there's all these extended scenes of them just like batting around this ridiculous dialogue at each other that just goes nowhere, just takes time, just taking up time and just like getting it. it the dialogue thinks it's more clever than it really is. And it's just really grating. And, and this is part of what I think turned people off was just like, oh, my God, are we are we really doing this? Are we really doing like a 10 minute scene of her trying to get in the door and then getting in the door and then berating him and then immediately telling him like, okay, now that I've berated you, we need to get along because we're going to be together for the next couple of days. And then, and then he goes ah, into this, he goes into this whole fucking oh, horrible Sultan of slick rule of fucking cool dialogue about how he's the motherfucking OG gangster of all time. Mm-hmm. I am the fucking Sultan of slick Sadie. I am the rule of fucking cool. You want to be a gangster? You want to be a thug? You sit at my fucking feet. Gather the pearls that emanate forth from me. Because I'm the fucking original, straight, first, foremost, pimp, mac, fucking hustler, original gangster's gangster. That again, embarrassing. Like Ben Affleck. But again, that's the whole point too, I feel like, is that like they're trying to make him seem so macho and so tough and so self-assured, so full of himself, so that they can kind of throughout the movie kind of keep taking digs and, and 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 honestly it's almost like a feminist perspective of like see i'm the fucking bull you're the, like in the end oh you thought you were so tough but all it took was me to tame you you know type of thing maybe that makes sense but it's but it's just poorly poorly executed it absolutely is um he's really fucking overly mean to Brian, like, in, 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 a, in an uncomfortable <laughs> way. Just fucking be normal, telling, okay? Not fucking crazy. Normal. What if I smack you in the fucking head, huh? Hey. hey. Like, when he's, like, literally, like, throwing him against the wall. Why don't you fucking act normal and all this? It's, like, it's uncomfortable to watch. It's, like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, this is, well, is this supposed to, to be I funny? To say is it, it supposed to be? You know what that's trying to demonstrate? Not so much the, the macho or not macho element of it and everything, but trying to demonstrate look at the ignorance he's so tough he's so macho he knows everything he's so yeah. self-assured but look how ignorant he is look how much he how little he actually knows and look how progressed and advanced JLo's character is don't talk to him that way like oh like she's tougher but she's also more virtuous you know like and again it feels kind of like a feminist angle where it's it's you know look how much how far vast and more superior these women are or women are than you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, bit. yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably that's. I don't know what reverse misogynism is, but it's that. But they're not. But again, they're not doing Men are her. Such idiots. They're not doing. They her, just think with their dick. End of story. They're and not doing scene. her any favors by the script because the script doesn't give her anything to do other than be a sex object. All she's there to do is fucking be in yoga clothes and look like a fucking smoke show. Like, she really doesn't ever prove herself to be a badass. There's one scene where she, like, talks shit to a bunch of high school kids, which we'll get to in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, like, other than that, like, she doesn't throw a fucking karate kick or, like, do anything that makes her seem like a legitimate contract killer. In fact, she's actually kind of useless. And I don't want to jump ahead, but, like, I got a bunch of shit about her character that I think was a a, a calculated mistake Mm -hmm. that the screenplay made. Uh, as far as embarrassing shit, like after, you know, she shows up and they we understand why she's there. And now it's like, you know, she's the hottie that's got to stay in this apartment with them, you know, for the next, you know, indiscernible amount days. of days till until they're able to extort this this DA, which again, like the plot of this is not made clear. Like, like 
does the guy even know he's kidnapped? Like, what, what, what's exactly happening behind the scenes here? So there's this whole fucking scene now where he's like, oh, you can share my bed. You know, blah, you know, yeah, you don't go to sleep on a couch or nothing. You share my bed, you know. And Affleck does this whole fucking scene where it's him talking to himself in a mirror. And again, I, I just like, I just wrote down, I was like, this is fucking embarrassing. Like I it's know, like, I, I do remember. And like, she can hear him from, she's like reading in bed. She can hear him from oh the bathroom. Oh God. Like, and it's just, <laughs> and, 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 I, and maybe it's like, it's supposed to be that he's such a knucklehead, but I'm just like, be, because the movie hasn't roped you in yet, because the movie has not won you over yet. And you're not on with, and you're not on board with any of these characters. You're just watching Ben Affleck debase himself in a mm-hmm. mirror for, for like a good like forty five seconds to a minute. Note about that because yeah, I know, I know. It's so fucking embarrassing. Then and he it gets, goes on like longer than it needs to. It's way, like you get the point. You're pep talking yourself. Like okay, get out there now because this is starting to get nauseating. This is gross. This yeah. is the, who thought this was funny. Who thought this was entertaining? Uh, I think that's where he first introduced. I'm the bull and you're the cow and. You know, I think they do I'm that at dinner. You do you do that I'm at, the man and yeah. you're the woman. I think that's at dinner because I'm he's the ye- alpha. Yeah, and you're the omega. He's yelling at the. He's yelling at Brian at dinner because he doesn't like the food. Or alpha and beta, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, he's yelling at Brian at dinner because he doesn't like the food, and then it turns into this whole thing where she's defending him, like, "Hey, leave him alone. It's not his fault." And then he's like, "You, you, you fucking bull is a cow. It's a bull and a cow. I'm a bull. You're a cow." And she's like, "Yeah, I get it. Bull cow. Bull cow." And it's like. <laughs> it's not fucking funny. Like this, this is who, who, who are we supposed to like or be interested in? Like this is just really, mm. it's it's um, painful to watch. It really was. It was very painful to watch mm. this shit. I, you know, you're so, embarrassed for them. You're embarrassed wow, for if them. I was this actor, like that's what you want to hit. You want to talk about the actors that are like, like Johnny Depp. I've never seen any of the movies that I've been in. Like really, Johnny Depp. You've been in like a Zelene movie. You never watched any of the movies you were in or whatever. Like, I think about Ben Affleck. Like. Okay, you know, I mean, actors are like, I just, on principle, or I'm just not interested in myself, or whatever, you know. Actually, a shitty movie that you're in, like, how hor- horrible, hard that must be to watch yourself. But you know what it is? They're gassed up. They're ga- They're totally fucking gassed up, because in, in their, while, I mean, you gotta understand, this, is, this, movie's, this movie's being made a year before it comes out. So it's like a year before it comes out, they're the toast of the town. Mm-hmm. They're the fucking shit. Well, they were in something, they were in that Jersey Girl movie. Too, That's too. after. That's, we but then she dies in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Right? So and that was, that was another studio decision that was made because Which she was probably a good to, one. <laughs> right. But the, but the point is, is that like when they're filming this movie, you know, if it's 2003, when this movie comes out, it's being filmed in 2002. Now, 2002 to 2003 is a totally different environment. In 2002, they're the toast of the town. They're everyone fucking loves them. So there must be this ego inflation in their own head that like whatever we do is going to be cute. Whatever we do is going to be funny. Whatever we do is going to be like, oh, look at them. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's sexy and she doesn't want him. And <laughs> and by the time we get to when it's released in 2003, it's like we're fucking done with these people. Like this has been shoved down our throat for a year, year and a half, two years, however long it you was. You know what I'm just realizing now too though? It's like, I mean, and this could turn into a whole way deeper discussion than it needs to be. <laughs> okay. But I feel like the idea of, of female empowerment and feminism and particularly in that time in history and particularly with JLo's career was about female empowerment and look at the strong role she takes on like that movie enough where she's supposed to be a battered wife that fights back and mm. all that. Like it was really trying to cement the idea or the archetype of the strong female who doesn't need a man, but not only doesn't need a man, but can fight back against him or even dominate him. So it was really trying hard to, I feel like maybe in some ways perpetuate that image and that archetype. 
that's I mean, whether that's, it was to the service or to service of the plot it didn't matter. Yeah. It was she's going to be the one that dominates in the end, huh? She's the bull and you're the cow. But I guess huh? I guess the and that can be and that's fine. But it's like you said, it's it didn't do it well. You can tell that story and that's great, but it didn't do it in a way that was like you felt endeared to them. It it just felt more annoying, nauseating, and embarrassing. It's hard. It's hard to de. It's really, it really, honestly, like knowing the level of interference that the studio had with it, and knowing that the the guy who directed this thing probably really wanted it to be something different, and has not fucking made a movie since then, and made great movies before then. It's hard to really look at it and deconstruct it as like what the fuck really went wrong here. Casting, I think, may have been the first thing. Is that you put a real life couple, a real life, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend, couple. a celebrity couple, not even just a couple, but a celebrity yeah, couple, exactly. into a movie, and you're inviting an entire different level of calculations mm. into the into all of the things that can go wrong. You know, if they're if they're if they or innumerable compromises, and and have to be made, and also it's like. I understand the idea of like, well, if they're if they're a real life couple, they're going to have immediate chemistry because they know each other in a different way. It's not two actors pretending to have a relationship; right. it's two people who have they a relationship. Actually have chemistry, right? You know, but it's it's at it's at the detriment of the fact that you know, especially where they were so entrenched in the tabloids at that time that like you're playing on the public consciousness. You're literally gambling that people want to see them and I think at the point that this movie came out people didn't want to see them and the studio was banking on the fact that people only wanted to see them so it affects maybe the it's vision. almost I don't I don't want to say like in a blanket statement but maybe in some ways at least it's the media's fault because that year it was all benefit jammed down your throat so by the time the movie came out it was like ugh, do we have to absolutely it was, whereas it, if it wasn't jammed down your throat or they're maybe were more successful in keeping their relationship private but you might is, have actually been more open-minded when you went to go see that movie versus yeah people came to it with baggage people definitely exactly. came to it with baggage i i that's not that's not even up for debate as far as i'm but concerned but it might not have been that way but, if it weren't for the media maybe but what i also but what what makes this movie an interesting thing to look at is that is there you, you, again i'm trying to mitigate it against the fact that the studio interfered with the director's vision right the guy who made the movie was like fuck this doesn't represent what I what I made and that has to be taken into account that like he doesn't feel like his he quit making movies after this movie came out because he doesn't feel like the movie he was trying to make got made Mm -hmm. but to be fair everything that's in this movie was either written or improvised and filmed like what is in this movie didn't conjure out of thin air so my my attitude is that like I want to give the benefit of the doubt that or the benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt. <laughs> that, there, that there's maybe a better version of this movie that exists, but based off of everything that I'm seeing, that they actually spent time filming and putting together. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's I'm and sorry, part I of that. Stop you for a second because I hope you put the but in that. Yeah. Part <laughs> of that. Part of that could be. I, I hate to say it from the ego of these guys being gassed up the way they were. The fact that Ben Affleck and J Lo probably thought like we're the shit right now. Yeah. Everyone loves us. I'm sure there's so an we can, of that. Yeah, their roll, heads getting big. Roll camera and let me talk in the fucking mirror at myself like yeah, fucking blah blah. And it's like Ben Affleck in his in his right mind probably would have been like if this isn't written or like I, I wouldn't perform it this way or I wouldn't do it this way or this doesn't make it's too much it's stupid. But I really think that the actors may have been gassed up to a certain degree that they just thought they were untouchable and. 
part of that spilled over into the final product of the studio being like, anything that Affleck is doing in the mirror, use all of it. Anything of them two together, even if the scene is like 10 minutes longer than it needs to be, put it in there because people want to see them. Yeah. And it affects. Boy, were it's they like, wrong. holy shit, can you guys fucking get to the point with this thing? Like, this is really embarrassing. Um, the only thing I want to note, and I just thought this was funny, when he climbs into bed with her, I think this is I think this is the moment in the movie where he realizes that she's a lesbian. I think she tells him that she's a lesbian. At the, the first scene. night they spend in bed together. Yeah, and she's basically telling him, like, don't get your hopes up. Not into you. I th- maybe I'm misremembering it. I know we rewatched. It was this. something along those lines. But but the one thing that I it noted, was not long after his pep talk in the mirror. The one thing I noted that I thought was so funny about this is because there's a there's a digital clock on the on the nightstand mm-hmm. when they get into bed, and I'm like, wow, gangsters go to bed at ten thirty. It's like I know fucking eleven year olds that have later, you know, bedtimes than these fucking <laughs> gangsters crawling into bed at ten thirty at night. Um, but that's just but at a the same time. What hardworking adult. All right. To all our listeners out oh, there, God. all seven of them. Um, <laughs> who doesn't agree with the idea of going to bed early is awesome when you when you actually can. And it's like everything's done. I don't have to worry about I can get in bed at fucking eight, eight thirty and watch TV for a couple hours. Right. Or read a couple chapters. Couple going, chapters. To bed, going to bed early is actually kind of awesome. It's true. So no greater sin than fucking going to bed early. No sin, no rapture, no exquisite sin greater than going to bed early. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with some more movie high-low on Giggly. In every relationship, there's a bull and a cow. It just so happens that in this relationship right here with me and you, I'm the bull. You're the cow. All right? Bull. Cow. Got that? Yeah, I got it. Bull cow. All right, coming if back. If Christopher Walken was a love interest instead of J-Lo, this movie was, I'm just kidding. So that's a great, that's a great segue, sort of, into... Imagine um, Christopher Walken and Ben Affleck. It'd be no. ben, o- ben Auken or Christopher Flick. Ben o- <laughs> um, so there's a, there's a scene with Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken has a very brief cameo in this movie, and... And it's the big takeaway from the whole movie. I mean, this is, I don't, I, I mean. It was his Oscar I, clip. Let's not kid ourselves. I, I, <laughs> I have, I have more to say about this scene in this movie than I have to say about anything else. Let me please pontificate for a moment. The scene starts out terrible, in my opinion. Okay. Affleck's got J-Lo in the house and he's got, he's got Brian there and Walken is knocking on the door and Affleck, I think, he, I think he looks at the people, he sees who it is, he knows it's this guy, and he's saying, like, I know you're in there, let me in. He tells Brian, who is supposed to be this mentally challenged, erratic, unpredictable personality, go in this room and be quiet, okay? Which, uh, right off the top, it's like, isn't that, isn't that fucking convenient that this, that this character and what happens in the scene is he does exactly that. He goes in the room and is completely fucking quiet. Walken's character is a detective whose purpose in the scene is to come to Ben Affleck to say this kid, this, this, uh, high profile district attorney's brother has been kidnapped. You know anything about it? So he's there for the purposes of locating Brian or Mm -hmm. finding out what Affleck knows about Mm -hmm. Brian. Now, this is why I fucking hate the scene. Two huge reasons. One, it purports the point that J-Lo's character is fucking 
useless in this movie. Okay. What happens? This kid who, again, is completely erratic and unpredictable is told to go into another room and be quiet. What does JLo do? Like sit on the fucking couch, painting her toenails, reading reading a fucking book. Mm -hmm. It's like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't it make sense for the scene for this to be a moment for her to show her value? Like maybe she takes him in the room to be quiet. So it's like, take him, take him into the room so that he's quiet. And she's so that the whole scene plays out where maybe like when Walken comes in and is telling Affleck, character development, but like not only that Walken comes to the room and he's telling Affleck, there's this kid that's been kidnapped. And do you know anything about it? And we can cut cross cut between Mm -hmm. what's going on in that room. And then JLo in the room watching or listening, like through a cracked door, trying to keep the, and then maybe, then maybe the kid makes a noise. That would have been more compelling. The kid makes a noise. And all of a sudden Walken's like, what was that? And they go into the room and all of a sudden, Affleck's like, oh my God, we're gonna, he's going to find him. But when they go into the room, no one's there. And maybe it's that J-Lo's got him hidden. She's somehow being able to keep right. him quiet. She shows her value. She like, show, like, this is why I'm so good. This is why I was called here, was mm-hmm. so that you wouldn't fuck this up. Mm-hmm. Instead, the fucking scene is Very her true. just sitting there reading and see, a that fucking is book. Such, that is such a writer-filmmaker point of view that would be a whole different way to take it that actually I like that version Makes way better why didn't now I'm like now I'm mad why didn't they uh, do that you know and he fucking behaves erratically but when the plot needs him to shut the fuck up for a minute he's just able to do that it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't give her any value to the plot of the movie so yeah. that's the first problem I have with the scene is that it completely wastes and, and, and undermines the idea of what is happening in the plot of the movie the kid just goes and he shuts the fuck up and JLo just sits there looking like a smoke show it fucking makes no sense but fine I guess this is what we're doing now you got walking this is the second part of the scene that I think is, is, is really shitty is that you just got walking in the room doing the Christopher Walken thing I feel like after Pulp Fiction came out in 1994, all of a sudden for like a decade, every fucking crime movie had to try and ape the Quentin Tarantino style dialogue. Mm -hmm. So it's just this egregious long scene of Christopher Walken walking, walking back and forth in this room, pontificating and doing all of this, you know, uh, uh, overly written, cool, quippy Tarantino-esque dialogue. I think at one point he says, the line I wrote down was like something about the brother. He may have absconded with much of the dismay of our prosecutor. It's like nobody fucking talks like that, but they have to overwrite the dialogue so that it's cool and mm-hmm. fucking edgy. And mm-hmm. it's like, what, what, ugh, God. So the, the scene sucks because A, it doesn't make sense. And B, it's just another carbon copy of a fucking Quentin Tarantino right. crime well, scene. Well, it's funny because I have something written about, um, an actor aping another character from another. What? When? Well, I mean, I'm going to bring it up now, but I, one of the things I wrote down that I realized about halfway through the movie, I was like, wow, you know what? Cause I'm, I think like this was that I really felt like, um, the Ben Affleck character was aping Tony Soprano. I feel like his accent, you hear about that. You hear, well, not even just the accent, but like you hear about like, like Johnny Depp, not to use him as an example again, but I remember him saying like when he did Pirates of the Caribbean, he used Keith Richards as like a muse or, you know, certain actors or method actors would use another actor, another character from another story as inspiration or a basis or a foundation for their character and take that idea and sort of embellish it or, Mm -hmm. or take that idea and run with it. And the more I look at that or the more I was watching it, I really felt like, 
Ben Affleck was trying. If you close your eyes, I mean, yeah, it doesn't sound like him. Yeah, you can tell the difference in their voices, but the delivery, the mannerisms, the way he was speaking, it was like you're trying to be Tony Soprano. It makes a lot of sense because this would have been like this would have been Soprano. at the height of the Sopranos. Or like Ben Affleck watched the Sopranos as research and like you didn't pass this one over on me. I can tell this was your inspiration for this role, or like yeah. this is what you were trying to. It's a good you were call. channeling, like, and you can do that. Like I'm not a professional actor, but I understand the idea of like you, you know, anybody. Most people I know that go see movies can say, you know, you watch a movie or you watch a movie two, three times in a row. Next thing you know, you almost start to feel like those characters. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Like you're you're a whole different person in a whole different life, but you almost start to feel like the characters in the movies you've been watching over and over. So it's like to get ready for a role like this. It, yeah. If he if Ben Affleck was watching a ton of Sopranos, all he has to do is kind of like go on autopilot and pretend you're Tony Soprano. Yeah. Channel I- this like, well, how would Tony Soprano do it? And that's I really, how I feel like I really think, I really think that's actually a, a good point because it actually, this would have been right at the height of like the Sopranos popularity, mm-hmm. and he does kind of have that, um, like he's trying to do a Jersey thing. Like but I'm tough, but I'm also kind of ignorant. Yeah, but I'm also kind of sensitive. I'm old school, but yeah, it, it's yeah. I, that's that's a good call out. That's a really good call out, and it's actually we had our more fool, whatever you know. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny the malaprops and shit. It's funny that you say Johnny Depp because mofo, whatever. Because Johnny <laughs> Depp was famous, especially in his in his earlier years when he was really being an actor, actor, mm-hmm. um, and not a, a, a cartoon character. But in his earlier years, he was very famous for literally like trying to slam two different ideas or people together so like for instance he talked about when he did ed wood he was like i played ed wood as the optimism of ronald reagan with the voice of casey Kasem. you know mm-hmm. and like, oh, well you don't like it well my next one will be better you know he, like he 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 took those two things and smashed At them least together. It was a hybrid he did a lot of that with a lot of his characters like the keith richards i forget I guarantee it's Keith Richards and something else, or it's um, well. No, I remember him being quoted in an interview as saying Keith Richards he, was a major yeah, influence. Playing, him playing Keith Captain Richards Jack Sparrow, yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, but it was usually two different ideas that he would he would slam yeah. together and like right. do do a. But when you can tell from watching it without having any prior information as to who their muse was going into it or who their inspiration was, and you can clearly tell. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a it's photocopy. Kind of, it's, it's garbage. It's, that's not a good thing. I I absolutely agree because I can understand being influenced by another artist, but. That it almost seems like a regurgitation or yeah. you're just trying to be them. Yeah, definitely. And kind of like when we were watching V for Vendetta again recently and it was like Natalie Portman, who I was thinking the same thing with her. It was like, she's trying to be, um, God, what was it? I remember thinking like, she's trying to be this specific actress from this movie. And I didn't write it down, of course, because it wasn't a movie high-low, but you get the idea mm-hmm. where it's like, I can just tell what you're trying to do. I mean, if I think about it, I can probably remember who it was. Oh, I thought she was trying to be Kate Winslet. She reminded me. She. I know it sounds weird, but her performance in that movie reminds me of Kate, if Kate, if you close your eyes again, her voice doesn't sound like her, but the way she's talking and her mannerisms and all those things, just like Ben Affleck's movie, maybe his voice doesn't sound like James Gandolfini, but the way he's delivering it, it's like him. It's like Ben Affleck trying to do his best. James Gandolfini, Tony Soprano, whereas watching V for Vendetta again, it was, for me, it was like watching Natalie Portman trying to give her best did Kate Natalie Winslet Portman, performance. Did Natalie That's Portman, what it was. I remember thinking it was Kate Winslet. I'm did, like, she's trying to be Kate Winslet. Did Natalie Portman ever work with Kate Winslet? I, can't I don't remember. know, but she's trying to be British. I know that. Because I know. And maybe that's why. I know that Ben Affleck eventually worked with Gandolfini. 
well, only a couple years later. He worked. He was in that movie Surviving. I'm just Christmas. saying. I was like, I was like, who does she remind me of with her performance right now? And it doesn't feel like Natalie Portman. I mean, and I know that's the point of an actor. You don't play yourself, but it was like it was so obvious to me. It was bothering me, and I was like, she reminds me of like it's like her doing a Kate Winslet impression, just like watching this movie was like watching Ben Affleck do a Tony Soprano impression. Not just James Gandolfini, because James mm-hmm. Gandolfini is different in the movie season, even though even him, right? You see him in the Mexican or whatever else. Oceans, is he in Oceans 11 or whatever? No, he's no. in... Um, he's in Get Shorty. Yes. Right? You know it's him, but it doesn't feel like he's doing an impression of himself or anything, but like some... You know what I mean? Like sometimes I know exactly you can see you actors trying to be... You're just trying to be that. Yeah. And go ahead and tell me you weren't. Well, then that's how I perceived it. Yeah, okay. that's interesting. That's inter- It actually makes me want to go back and watch V for Vendetta just thinking about that with Natalie Portman. I, that's what I felt watching it. I, I Think I, about Kate Winslet giving the exact same performance and it would have been like that or yeah. like trying to be like that. That's interesting. Even though I think Kate Winslet's a way better actress. But, um, but so so getting back to the Chris, Chris Walken scene, the thing that's interesting about the scene, again, it starts out terrible. It's a, it's a, it's a ter- it's, it's It's actually a really good indicative scene that points to what's kind of wrong with this movie. And then out of absolutely nowhere, this brilliant, wonderful man, Christopher Walken somehow flips this scene completely around on its head and turns it into the only high that I have for this movie (laughs) with this beautiful, beautiful line reading that he gives when Affleck's trying to get him out of the house and he he says this line. I'm going to cut to it because I'm, I'm now, now I'm not going to remember There's it. There's no way. You can, if you wrote it down, you can't say it like him. He does. He goes, he goes, you know what I like to get? Go down to Marie Callender's. Get a nice big piece of pie. Some ice cream on it. Mm-mm. Good. Put some on your head. Your tongue will slap your brains out trying to get to it. Interested? Yeah. <laughs> my best. That was my best impression. Go down to Marie Callender's. Get me a big bowl. Pie. Some ice cream on it. Mm-hmm, good. Put some on your head. Your tongue would slap your brains out trying to get to it. Interested? Yeah. Now here's the thing about this line. I don't. I don't know if you, you. You please feel free to chime in. The line itself, the actual dialogue itself, is not anything special. It's it's just weird. It just reminds you that don't worry, kids. No one's taking this seriously. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's. I I swear to God, I would not. It's not the lines. It's the delivery, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, oh God. I, I I honestly believe that I, I. This would not shock me. This would not shock me in the least if this were true. If Christopher Walken, whether he's in a, a cameo role like he is for this movie, or whether he's whether he's in you know the star of a film, it would not surprise me if every single night when he was getting preparing to do a scene the next day, if he took all of his dialogue from that scene and put it on flashcards and posted them around the room and then put on a fucking blindfold and spun himself around with a dart and just it's threw like a dart. In this order. Just threw a dart at one of those lines of dialogue and whatever fucking line it hit, he made the decision or the choice to be like, I am going to say these lines in a way that no other human being <laughs> would. I'm going to say these lines as if I was an alien who learned human. It's going like, to make tr- so little sense you know, that it's going to make sense. Like he, like, like he just picked a random 
section of his dialogue to be like, let me do this. Did in he a eat way. nothing but memory calendars for the few weeks leading up to his filming? Uh, I, 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 what? Did he eat nothing but Marie calendars in the few weeks? But that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't. I don't even think there was that much thought. I really. I thought th- Marie calendars made chicken and turkey pot pies. So I'm like, oh, she. Oh, you know, she does make dessert pies. That's true. She makes like, you get them in the frozen section of the grocery store. There's a chocolate cream pie and all that <laughs> coconut cream pie. The the. I mean this. The I, I, the thing that was uh, this is what I remember because again like we're we watched this a couple weeks ago. We we're we're kind of we're we're catching up on this one, but. I remember when we were watching this, I remember having to like pause the movie and be like, did he just, what the fuck did he just say? <laughs> I know, it was hilarious. And I remember we had, a, we had a, it was one of those we things We were laughing. Like, okay, don't, don't sugarcoat it. We were laughing our butts off. Okay. Our butts off? You were laughing our rear ends off. Our gosh darn rear ends. Our, our, <laughs> why did all of a sudden you start, why did you? I'm afraid to fucking offend anybody. Why'd you turn this PG-13? I'm afraid to fucking offend any cunts. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. The thing that I, I, I remember, I kept rewinding, being like, "What the fuck is he doing in this?" Like it was, it was fascinating to watch. And then the more and more we rewound it and watched it, the funnier it got. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm that, that's probably one of the things you could probably type in Christopher Walken Geely into Google and find it immediately because yeah, this is we. Had, this is it's not the only scene with him in the movie. This is not unique to us, but this is like clearly the most um, interesting slash beloved moment in the movie. Right. So the one high, I'm going to get it out of the way right now was, well, was, I had a was this. Highs, but yeah. Um, the other, all right. So the other thing I wanted to talk about, Oh, I do have some other things from this page. That I wanted to do. From what, from walking? Well, talk I have hot and it's not Christopher Walken. It's other highs I have because I have more than one high and it's actually on the first page still. Well, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to all the highs at the end. That was okay. the only high. So, so stick with the lows. You could, you could talk about all the highs because I don't have all right. High I wrote movie. down the scene where they, confront those kids that are playing the music too loud yes can we talk about it yet let's talk about it well one of the lows i wrote down was the whole line that j-lo has i don't think this is the best time to be drawing attention to ourselves and i put but of course they will right and then sure enough it's her that gets up and she gives her whole eye gouging tutorial which is good but it's like not surprising either it's like i get it like because only you are so cool and witty and informed you know like so that whole thing happens and then Ben Affleck's takeaway from the scene is, yeah, suckmydick.com or whatever, like blowme.com, whatever the fuck he says. This is suck my dick and it's like, com. yeah, see, she had this whole well-spoken, verbose, articulate diatribe she went into and he just ends it with, yeah, suckmydick.com. Well, like she's so smart and progressed and he's such a fucking idiot. Like, her whole thing was, she does this whole again, thing. Again, the whole feminist slant. Yeah. She's the cow, uh, bull and you're the cow. Like, But- but okay, so her whole thing in this scene is that she walks up to these high school kids who are playing their music too loud. Okay, I mean this. If there's ever a fucking late '90s, early 2000s bullshit cliche, hey, you know, it's just so fucking obnoxious. But she walks up and she gives this totally over fucking rot monologue about some kind of tai chi uh, karate move where she's explaining basically something that she's calling the rip that takes the past, mm-hmm. meaning like I can put my fingers into your eyeball and rip your eyeball out of your head in a way that literally severs the nerves that connect to your brain. So that, so that so that when I rip your eyeball out, you will never remember having seen anything in your entire life, mm-hmm. which later she admits is all bullshit. Mm-hmm. She just made it all up. But it's this, this is the only scene in the movie where they're trying to, portray her as an actual badass and this is such a weak sauce attempt 
Like all she does is walk it's up also to a like, bunch of high school kids. She could, exactly. It's and it's J Lo in a miniskirt in her prime. Yeah. So she could be she could be shit. saying A B C D E F G H J K L M P and they'd still be like, hmm? yeah. Okay. I, it doesn't make a difference what she's saying. So of course it's going to be something like, look how cool I am. Drop the mic. Walk away. And then oh to end to put the cherry on top. Fucking Ben Affleck. Yeah. Suck my dick. Dot com. Like wow. See. <laughs> see. He doesn't fuck. know what else to say. Exactly. You know. It's it's one of those scenes where it's like. I, I think this scene thinks there probably it's, is a suckmydick.com. I think there's de- <laughs> if you go to suckmydick.com, it's going to be a or whole different or even the just blow me whatever yeah, any of them be a whole different thing. <laughs> but I, it, this is one of those scenes I really think that like they thought it was way <laughs> cuter, cleverer than it was, and maybe it could have worked in a better movie because the thing that fall that they follow it up with is then when he's asking her in the car, he's like, is anything you just said to those guys true? And she's like, no, I made that all up. And then she starts talking about Sun Tzu and the art of war. And she's saying the, the I'm paraphrasing it, but like uh, sometimes the best battle is to not have a battle at all. Sometimes like not taking action is the best thing. And then she goes into the whole thing about how, you know, this is women are more, um, uh, what does she say? She says something about how, women are not afraid to cry or show their emotions and men can't cry or show their emotions. So instead of coming home and, you know, their sadness is manifest as fighting. And that's why you see so many women fighting. So when they grow up to be men, what do you think they, you know, when they're upset and and brokenhearted, they don't come home and cry. They come home and fight. And they come home and fight. So her point is like, see, see how I says yell at his family, but you know what she's saying is like beat his family. Right, right, right. But, but the point is, is that what, what she's trying to say to him is see how I was able to diffuse that without us getting into a fight. See how I was able to walk up and say the right thing and shut it all fucking down without getting into a fight. So Mm -hmm. that's how I'm better than you, or that's how I'm smarter than you. And the problem with it is that again, up to this point in the movie, it's like, I, I, I don't buy it. It just doesn't, it just seems it's like. It's too perfect. It's like, okay. It, it's just, it's just too up its own ass. It just, yeah. again, it didn't up its earn own it. Ass. It didn't earn it. It did not earn her being, if she had done something totally badass before Like you that, said, that scene, like that would have like something to develop her character a little bit more than it did. Show her doing something. To make her worth a, a grain of salt. You know, yeah. don't just, sh- I mean, not that I got a problem with her running around in yoga pants, hanging out around the house, but like, if you're trying to they show her, yoga pants, she, she was doing well, yoga, but they weren't yoga pants. They were like, she, they were like, um, hip hugger hip, jeans whatever. and shit. But she's doing yoga at one point in yoga yeah, pants. Well, probably. I guess. But what I'm saying is that other than like her just, you know, the looking, whole movie's not in yoga pants. But, but what I'm saying is that if they had given her anything fucking cool to do before that, it could have, that it could have been elevated. It could have been, I know earned, what you mean. You know, it's just earned. kind of a, the only other thing. That's I, the best way to say it. it didn't feel earned. It's not earned. Point. It's not earned. It's, it's, Probably it's like assumed. Yeah, it's not bad writing. The actual monologue that she gives isn't necessarily a bad monologue. It's just it doesn't fit into this movie that they're making. Um, I I literally only had one note for this. I don't know if you have anything. I just had one note. Mother scene is ridiculous. And to boot, I I didn't mind the mother character, but I was almost hoping to see it again later in the movie. Didn't even do that. It was like wow, the mother character is only there to serve the purpose of oh she's a cute one. Don't let her go, Larry. Oh she's like well we all had our chances of experimenting when we were younger, right? She's cute. Bring her around. Ah, ah, ah." You know, it's like okay, like you're just there to serve the purpose of the plot, and that's it. 
I don't know if you'd call it a plot device. No, but she's just there. They're to trying be, to. They're trying to she, give her character in and of they herself have to, is there to serve. They have to give him. They have to give Geely's character a responsibility. Right. Oh, he's gonna drop everything at a moment's notice to go give his mom her diabetes, her, her insulin shot. Mm-hmm. You know, and then she embarrasses him. So there's a moment of humility. But also it's like, oh, she's cute. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, she's a lesbian. Well, don't yeah. let that stop you because I've got my own stories, honey. Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay. Yeah. You get it. You get what they're going for. And then, of course, they don't come back to her because she did everything she was supposed to do for the sake That's of the it. movie. Just pop You're not in. supposed to give a shit about her. Pop in. and, and She's and, just there to serve the purpose of the plot. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I do remember thinking that. Uh, the penis vagina monologue. Well, speaking of penis and vagina, I have one thing. Oh. Never mind. Okay, it's a high, so I won't say it yet. Oh, uh, what is it? Is it? Uh, it's actually something that the mentally challenged kid says. What? And he goes, "Oh, I look at her and she makes my penis sneeze." I say, "Bless you, penis." <laughs> <laughs> he says that. that <laughs> you know what? Maybe I have two highs because that actually was funny. That was a funny line. God bless you. Thank you. No, not you, stupid. When my penis sneezes, I say, "God bless you." God bless you, penis. Well, he actually has another one, too, that I just watched when you watched one of the previous. I was like, oh, I didn't write that down, but that was good. What was it? Oh, when the girlfriend character comes to confront J-Lo and she slits her wrist and he's like, you need the Band-Aids. <laughs> you know, there was, he had a, he, Brian's probably And he, only, you know who he's channeling? Who? Oh, it's so obvious now. Who? You need some Band-Aids. I like pita. I like pita. Oh, he's doing, uh, he's doing Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton from, from Multiple City? Yeah. I like pita. I like it. Cage. Yeah, well, that's, that character. That's who he's playing. I like Steve. Right? I like Peter. I look like you need them band-aids. The he actually the only other thing that I thought was kind of funny, and this this get this is kind of in this scene. So the the penis vagina monologue. My my thought is is that this almost almost feels like it could have worked in a better movie because again, this is actually not a bad piece of writing. It's actually kind of an interesting piece of writing that that happens between, you know, a heterosexual male and a, a lesbian woman um, where he's like, you know, the penis and the the design and, you know, that whole, and like he goes in this whole thing and then she turns it around on him like, what do you want to kiss? You want to kiss lips. What are lips? They are the, they are the um, twin sister of the mm-hmm. vagina. And she goes in this, and it's actually really not a bad piece of writing, but the thing that pisses me off about it is that I don't buy Affleck as a gangster who spouts off highly articulate and verbose monologues about genitalia because exactly what we were just saying before, as it stands, they've established him as a guy who doesn't own a fucking book. Mm-hmm. When Brian, when Brian is like, read to me, Larry, he, ha- he doesn't have a book in the house, so he has to take the Tabasco sauce and read the label, which to, your, to, the, to, to be fair, actually is a funny scene mm-hmm. when he's reading the Tabasco thing. And my favorite thing is the kid's reaction. He's like, that was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For well over a century, the adventurous flavor of Tabasco sauce has fired up generations of thrill seekers. Okay. That was good. And then he reads a Charmin rapper. But again, it's like, it's like, it's like a piece of writing that doesn't fit the movie. It's like these two characters kind of linguistically combating each other in this way. Where he's like, oh, the penis is is a perfect design, and all all these lesbians they fucking have to invent these machines to give them what they're not getting, and blah blah blah. And then she turns it around on him, and the whole time she's like doing this sexy yoga and like you know hot pants. Like it's it's it almost feels like it. Belongs. I don't think she's trying to make it sexy. I think it's just that it's like she's J Lo, so she just. I think they're absolutely trying to make this sexy. 
There's no, but it's also J Lo. It's like she's actually just doing yoga, but she's J Lo with her J Lo body. Right, but so D, it's this like, is this is the whole. It sexual. doesn't take much for you to look at it and, and take it as sexual because she has she like a very eating, courageous she body. She could be eating and, chicken during the scene. Like they perfect, they purposely picked her to be doing yoga in the moonlight. Fine, like but it's I'm supposed to be from sexy. Her, to be fair, I don't think she had to try too hard to make it. Right, sexy I understand. You're saying you're saying prime. she could be picking her toenails and it would it be sexy. You know? But what I, but what I'm saying is that. The scene is supposed to play on sexual tension and the writing is supposed to play on sexual tension. And it's not, to, to be fair to the movie, it's not a bad scene or not bad a bad piece of writing. It doesn't fit the movie they're making. Larry Geely is not this smart or articulate. All of a sudden, he's talking like a fucking philosopher. And, and it doesn't make any sense because he's a fucking knucklehead the whole movie. Being like, I'm the fucking bull, you're the cow. I'm the fucking salt and the fucking cool. It's like... So how are you talking? And I think even at one point she says like, oh, you act like you don't read books. It's like he doesn't read books. He doesn't have a fucking book in his house. He's reading Tabasco labels. This is bullshit. So it's kind of a cheat. It's kind of like something that was lifted. Like Martin Bress could have taken this piece of writing and put it in a better movie and not put it in this piece of shit. So I'm not saying this is a high, but it's a low because of how it doesn't fit the movie. It could have been a high in another movie, I would say. Yeah. Well, it also felt like with this movie too, they were trying to do too many things with not with the characters themselves, but we're trying to, again, coming back to the music and the false sentimentality, it was like, it was trying to do too many things with the characters and trying to make you feel one kind of way or another. Oh, was this kind of like, oh, reach me, Larry, and the music's all soft and sentimental. Like, like yeah, appeal to your softer side and, you know... He's just a handicapped boy who wants you to read to him and, you know, or the idea of making Ben Affleck seem like somebody who maybe does read but doesn't read or Jayla seem like somebody who's tough but maybe who's actually more sensitive than you think. It's, it's trying to do all these things and it's not successfully doing them because it's really just not that well written. Okay, when it comes to pleasing a woman, your girlfriends, they're just, they're at a natural disadvantage. It's like they might try hard, but they're just not backed up. Millions of years of genetic engineering, programming, instinct. Nature has evolved man for that purpose. Satisfy. Lead the pack. That's why these lesbians are always going out by, you know, spending all their dough on like, you know, sexual appliances, erotic monkey wrenches and shit, trying to compensate what they don't have that I get penis. Then we get to what might be the most pointless scene in the entire movie, which is Ricky's girlfriend, JLo's girlfriend shows up uh, to try and commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, but didn't you say there was like in the script, she had more of a purpose to serve? Yes. So it's like they chose to keep that one scene and in cutting all her extra stuff, it makes that one scene even less I don't know, purposeful. Well, that that to me is, again, one of these... It's like, oh, who are you? Oh, okay, we know that you're a lesbian. Okay, that's your girlfriend. Oh, she's going to kill herself because she's crazy and she knows how to do taekwondo or whatever. You know, like, okay. Uh, the, the From what I am And then understand. you take her to the hospital and then that's it. And then it's like, so what was the and point of all that? It's just a detour. It's just another... It is, it's a detour. That's it's a another way of, yeah. 10 minutes of bullshit in this movie that we don't need. Now, from my understanding, again... So I'm you not, already know she's a lesbian. I'm not the fucking... So unless her character or that scene has anything to do with anything to move the movie yes, forward? Yes, yes. Now, now, again, not being a connoisseur of this film, but having done a little bit of research, from my understanding, 
what was supposed to happen in the original version of the film was that Ricky, J-Lo's character, was going to have revealed that she was, in fact, not the contract killer, that this girlfriend of hers was the original contract killer that was going to be hired to babysit Larry or, or whatever. And she did it almost as like an experiment. It was almost like, I want to see what it's like to live as this. Okay. And that J-Lo, for the whole last act of the well, movie... Well, even that's more interesting. It's way more interesting, okay? But but <laughs> still, doesn't doesn't way. quite make the movie any better for all the bullshit that's happened before it. But that for the last act of the movie, she would have exited. She would have been gone. She would not have been a part of the last act of the movie. And part of what you would have come to realize is that this woman was supposed to be the contract killer or whatever. So again, fine. Maybe that's a better movie. And maybe there's a better, maybe Martin Brest can get the fucking footage and recut this the way he wants it. Maybe there's a better movie to be seen. I'd be willing to watch it. I'd really be willing to give it a shot. But for the movie that exists, that the studio know they're releasing, why does this entire section even exist? Because it's, again, it's it's just fucking filler. It's just 10 minutes that goes nowhere. She shows up and then she's like yelling like, oh, you're trying to fuck this guy. And oh, now you want to have an experiment. Why don't we just all fuck each other? Which was I'm just like, this is like, this is really weird. Um, getting into chasing Amy oh, well, territory. It wouldn't even be that weird if there was some context. It, the whole scene felt out of context. I remember thinking that. It was like, what is this coming from? And she tries to kill herself and then they go to the hospital. And I think the only, I honestly, honest to God, I think the only reason that maybe they kept this in the movie, if I had to guess, is that at this point in the movie, there's a turning point where Larry has been told that he has to cut off the thumb mm-hmm. of Brian to, to, to prove the point to the prosecutor that they actually have him. And now he's feeling remorseful or he doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So once they They're deal, the once they deal with, once they deal with, um, isn't that the scene where they're in the morgue? Well, that so happens that I have, yeah. I had a funny thing written about that after, but once they actually deal with the fact that he doesn't want to cut off the finger, it's that scene. Like when you said the penis sneezing scene, like they're mm-hmm. sitting in the car waiting for her to get out of the hospital with the girlfriend. And then she comes to the car and they have this conversation and she's like, I don't think we should cut his finger off. Mm-hmm. I don't want to cut his finger off either. Blah, 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 blah. So I honestly think that like some executive was like, do we want to reshoot that scene at a different location or do we just keep the bullshit subplot right. with the girlfriend to save money? decision that had to be made. I guarantee that's why it's it. Because it's just like, just reshoot that scene with them talking about the finger without the fucking right. girl. He, he, well, they can wake then, up the next I think there's a morning. point in that scene too where it was trying to be kind of cutesy where it was like, are you with me? Sure. And then she's like, yeah, well, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, so are you with me? Yes. You know, like it was like the whole sure versus yes. Yeah. You know, goofy. I didn't just ask you because I wanted to be like this. I don't remember what the dialogue was, the monologue, but you know, I mean that, I remember that was also in that scene. There was the whole thing. I think she said like, oh, I could suck your cock for 12 hours and you wouldn't, I can't even remember. The and you wouldn't say it. sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it was. It was something like that. Yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. Yes. It's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. See, if I were to ask you to move my couch for me, you'd probably say sure. But if I were to ask you to look deep into my eyes and tell me from the bottom of your heart if it would give you great pleasure if I were to suck your cock for 12 hours, if I may be presumptuous, you'd probably say yes. See, it just implies a different level of commitment. Ask me the question again. Okay. Are you with me? Yes. 
Um, yes. So then, <laughs> then I wrote, I, I literally wrote this. I wrote, I wrote, I wrote this, I wrote this down. I swear to God, I don't, I, I wrote, I think they, I, this is, this is legit from my notes when we were watching the movie. I think they steal a finger from a morgue, but I'm honestly, I honestly don't remember because I'm fading right now. Mm, right. <laughs> I, I think there's a whole scene where like, I mean, it was kind of funny because he did it with a plastic knife too. It's like, ugh. oh, that's right. I do remember ugh. that now. But I just really remember by the, by that point I really remember the amount of being back and forth sawing. I just remember being so checked out of the movie. But I'm like, is this movie still happening to me? Yeah. Are we ever coming in for a landing? Like this is too much now. Like it really is just getting to be too much. Um, I wrote down sex scene. So uh, did you have any notes? It might have been sex too scene? much, but you know what? Her love don't cost a thing. <laughs> Sorry. That's so good. That's so good. Don't be fooled by the rocks that she's got. She's tough Jenny from the block. Uh, listen, <laughs> no matter what you think, she's And Ben real. Affleck was in that music video too, right? The way you walk, the yeah. way you move. The way yeah, no, I know. But um, um, that, that love, was it love yes. Costa? No, Jenny yes. from the block video. Yeah, he's in the video. That Ben Affleck was in. He's all like fake tanned and shit. I'm like, wow. Honestly, you it know what gross. I thought? You know what I'm like, wow, he is her bitch. Yeah. If it was ever clear who's whose bitch. He's jealous, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> what a bigoty bitch! I wrote this down. I just, I just wanted to. Uh, I don't think we're quite. Oh, hold on. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait because we're not quite there yet. Um, the sex scene. I wrote down. So this is probably. I mean, I don't know if you have any notes on this. I think this is probably. If anyone legitimately went to go see this movie in the theater, this is probably the reason they went. This is probably the only is reason they went. Was the, was this sex scene with, with with the two of them? And it ends up being kind of like. The most by the book vanilla sex, and the only it thing, really is the only thing that they kind they kind of do is that like she's a little bit more dominant than him, but it's not in a big bad way. Right. It's it's kind of in like a safe PG thirteen way. Yeah, it totally is. Yep. It's not like it's not even like a really good. It's kind of anticlimactic for what the story and the characters were trying to build up to. Like oh. I bet this can be really hot by the time they fucking get together, isn't it? It's yeah, like, and then uh, it's just kind of like it's like, oh look, it's she's, like a popcorn. She's fart. on top, like it's like you. But, but then, but then the thing that you said about the whole feminism thing that I think is interesting is that like then there is the whole payoff of like him laying in her he arms. Goes, mmm. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's like, this is so goofy. How this about is, boo? Yeah, of exactly. Boo. Everyone's booing at that point. Um, there's so another. The maybe this was. I can't remember. I really don't remember when this happened I, i'm sorry I, I don't remember but there's a whole monologue that he gives the whole dicosaurus rex monologue when he's yelling yeah i am fucking sad and i am fucking angry and blah 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 blah. and because i have this stone cold fox amazing intelligent sexy fucking incredible woman blah 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 so fucking beautiful and i can't you it's a whole fucking it, you're right it's a whole chasing amy thing it's that's the thing except that, it's not raining that's the thing about the monologue that kills me ben affleck i mean for anyone who fucking knows like ben affleck was in kevin smith's film chasing amy which is all about a guy who falls in love with the lesbian so of course this is you have to draw a direct parallel to that movie just mm-hmm. because of the plot of this movie it's but like, that poor but, ben affleck i mean just always falling in love with lesbians. lesbians like what the fuck the whole point is that like he gives this monologue that is kind of like the dumbed down version of the dumbed monologue. Dumbed down? He gives like the dumbed down version of the Chasing Amy monologue to J-Lo in this. Where he's in, in, in Chasing Amy, he gives this very it's heartfelt monologue about how. Basically you know, telling her off about how much he loves I, her. I just, I can't take this anymore. 
I can't stand next to you without wanting to hold you. I can't, I can't look into your eyes without feeling that, that longing you only read about in trashy romance novels. I can't talk to you without wanting to express my love for everything you are. And it's base, and, and it's in a car. It's in a fucking car. Just like this scene where he's driving in a car and he basically gives the almost the exact same monologue, just a stupider version of it. Why I'm fucking sad? Because I got this fucking beautiful, sexy, gorgeous, heartthrobarama, fucking smart, amazing, bombshell, 17 on a fucking 10 scale girl sleeping in a bed right next to me. You know what? She's a stone cold dyke. A fucking untouchable, unhavable, unattainable brick wall fucking dikosaurus rexide. So I, much stupider that stupid is not a word. Exactly. And that's I don't I don't understand how that is not I don't know if, if that's a point I of contention. I actually became stupider by watching this I, movie. You know, <laughs> Then we get to another another famous cameo in this movie, which is actually Pacino. Yeah, quite prevalent for the director because, you know, I would I would argue uh, Martin Brest's best movie, Martin Brest's best Heat. No, oh, did that's he Michael heat? Mann. Oh, what are you talking about? Oh. Martin Brest Man made Brest. <laughs> Scent of a Woman. Scent of a Woman is Mantis. Al Pacino's. You know. Ooh, ah, you yeah. know. Well, and as soon as he saw Pacino, I'm like waiting for him. Like, oh, he's gonna have a free cut scene. Well, When's it coming? So, so any second now. He does. Ah, there it is. You get, you get the, you get Watching the typical. Watching Gary Glenn Ross again recently too, and I was like, When's it coming? I know it's coming. There it is. There's that Pacino I know and love. <laughs> you cost me seven thousand dollars. What are you gonna do about it, asshole? <laughs> you fucking. Cunt. You, you cocksucker. You fucking fairy. <laughs> What'd you learn to trade? I'm calling Lepke. I'm calling Mitch and Murray. (laughs) I don't care whose cousin you are, whose dick you're sucking on. First thing you learn, if you (laughs) never spent a day in your life, you never open your mouth until you know what the shot is. Do your Rocky. Big bug of a day. Big bug of a day. I'm not doing this. We're, we're, we're talking about this movie. Pacino shows up finally, fucking hoo ha and all over the place. He he, he <laughs> does. He's, uh, we expect this shit, and and the, so he there's a the scene with him is that and and again like I'm 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 honestly I may be talking out of my ass here. My hoo <laughs> My my hoo Okay, she was a goddamn hoo ha. <laughs> the dude shows up. And from my understanding, he's the guy that they're trying to that they're, that they're trying to get the uh, prosecutor to acquit the charges for. And he does this whole monologue, you know, it's the twentieth fucking century, twenty first fucking century. He's fucking freaking out. Where it's like, why did you think this was the way to do this? You fucking kidnapped this guy's brother, and you think this is how we're gonna get the charges dropped? The scene is that he is doing his Al Pacino scene chewing thing that we're used to mm-hmm, seeing. Mm-hmm. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. And we're waiting for, and then something abrupt happens. He fucking abruptly kills Murmur. Well, he as fucking, soon as he asked, you want to go to medical school? I knew what he was going, getting at with that. I'm yeah. like, Oh, so you brought his, to science. Yeah. Okay. He blows his fucking head off. Yeah. Um, and again, the medical students always need a good cadaver to work. <sighs> on. He doesn't use that, but that line, but he basically says that. And I think I think that Martin Brest or the producers or whoever think that this is going to be the one big surprise of the whole film. But in all honesty, at this point, it really feels like they just might be trying to make sure the audience is still awake. 
Like, I think they just needed to do something, anything at all, any fucking thing. And if thing. anyone can do it, it's fucking Pacino. You know, if it's not walking to keep hey, his way for the first a, half, it's yeah, Pacino to keep his way for know, the second half. And these <laughs> these two cameos kind of are the only thing that kind of re, like resuscitate the movie for like momentarily resuscitate the movie. That's the only way I could put it. The movie is momentarily resuscitated by the one moment of hilarity from Christopher Walken and the one moment of surprise from Al Pacino. Mm. Um, must have been a dog day afternoon. Yeah, it must have been. I mean, you know, someone's godfather really enjoyed this film quite a bit. Um, but that's really all I have to say about that scene. Actually, there was a line that I wrote down and I think it was one of JLo's lines where she's like, oh, I'll just leave a faint scent. And I put fart sounds because that's what I do or my brothers and I do and think something's lame. Go, mm. Like the fart sound. Well, we don't know what that. Um, really but is. but she goes, "I'll just leave a faint scent behind, or whatever." It's like the scent of a woman. But awesome. <sighs> and now we get to the ending of the film, um, thankfully, and the 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 end of the movie is from from what I remember. Again, this is this is very difficult movie to keep in mind all at once. Um, they're gonna let Brian go. They they they're driving by the, this. Oh yeah, I hate that too. This they're driving by this beach and they're mm-hmm. filming some. It's fucking, Baywatch. Yeah, okay, fine. They're filming some That's fucking movie it, but... and and he thinks it's the Baywatch and they <clears> show up and they're gonna let him go to the Baywatch mm-hmm. and at this point Affleck gives J Lo his, his car, car yeah. to run away so she can leave. It's like okay, and and even then I'm like why, you know? Be- I mean, does her character need a car? Does she say, I mean, she's obviously intelligent enough that I'm sure she'd get her own car or has her own car, maybe multiple cars. Like, why are you giving her a car to drive away? Because because the entire ending has been reshot and they they don't have any ideas right. now. They're but just, the other part of that a, scene that really pisses me off is like, so this whole movie and you've got this kid as a hostage and you're just going to leave him at the beach? But Like, you're not even going to like, they were going to both take off and just leave him there. Like, Really? That's, that's that's how this movie ends, and it's so like Corneal. He finds a blonde girl who has an Australian oh, accent. He likes man. the Australian accent. Okay, he, yeah, we get that. We forgot. We forgot. We forgot. He keeps calling the weather. It? it was like he the local weather the in weather. Australia. Or whatever. Yeah, because he likes the to listen the, to the Australian the girl's Australian voice. girl's voice. Mm-hmm. So that becomes the big payoff here. Is that Affleck's telling him like, okay, you go hang out on the Baywatch, and your your brother's friends are gonna come pick you up mm-hmm. soon, and blah blah blah. And like Brian runs down to the Baywatch, and he gets the girls. And I just wrote, wow. Because I just I was shocked by the scene. I was like, this is just really goofy. Mm-hmm. Now there's a whole bunch of cutaways to Ben Affleck doing reaction shots. Now, again, and and I'm gonna preface this by saying they reshot a lot of this movie, specifically this ending. So there was supposed to be a completely different set of reaction shots to this scene, or the scene was supposed to be different. Whatever may have happened the reaction shots that are in this movie, the actual shots of Ben Affleck reacting to this kid on the beach. When we talk about embarrassing, like the movie is very embarrassing, I think for all of these actors, but this is, this and if it isn't, this it to sure me, as hell should be. this to me. And again, and I'm, t- I love I'm from Boston. I love Ben Affleck. I, I actually have a lot of respect for him. I think he's actually a really good director and actually a really good actor. All that being said, this has got to be the most embarrassing shit of his career. Like, Again, totally reshot from the original ending, but there's no fucking dignity in any. Like, is does anyone care? Are you Charlie Chaplin? All Do you time? care? Do the producers care? Did anyone just give a shit, or or or, or, or we've lost all dignity at this point? Um, it's very, it's the, oh, it's 
<laughs> it's 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 like one of those things where by the time you get to this part of the movie, you you are you are in it. You are in the shit. You it's like you've been through Vietnam, yeah. and it's like this is this is the shit, man. Like we're here. You're, you're shell shocked by the end of the movie. <laughs> you know, like this is happening. You're, you're this uh, is, uh, what is it? Uh, turkey locked. I mean, <laughs> you're two. You're two. You're two plus hours in, and this is where they're going. This is how they're landing this fucking plane. And oh boy, like. Uh, and then J-Lo pulls back up with the car and of says course, some- which you know is going to happen. Quippy bullshit. You know the movie's not going to end. She rides you know. off into the sunset. They ride off. That's, are- I wrote, they literally well, ride off sure. into the sunset. But you know it's not going to end with him being all heartbroken. It's going to be, all right, I'm a lesbian, but I'll take a chance on you. <laughs> Get in the car. Because just Ben Affleck has just, he just oozes Gobble, this charm, gobble. Right? And off they go. Off they go to gobble and into. I think infinity. that's the moral. Honestly, of all the things this movie probably wanted the viewers to take away from it, it, the overarching theme was probably: if you're a lesbian, Ben Affleck seeks you out. Don't resist. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a shot. Give it a shot. <laughs> right in the mouth. <laughs> um. All right. Well, that was uh, Martin Breast's Geely. Uh, now that you're all abreast of this, the film, movie of this Geely Breast, the movie that ended that man's career. Um, pretty bad, pretty bad. Pretty, I'm asking. Puts me in a bad mood. Wow. <laughs> so we're gonna flip the coin. I was gonna say roll the dice. <laughs> Boy. Um. All right. So. Okay. Two face. What's it gonna be next? So here we go. We're gonna do a heads you uh, heads you live, tails you die. Yeah, heads you live, tails you die. <laughs> For another episode of Movie Hilo, we will. Exciting uh, so was uh, guys. Vampires kiss. God. All right, so we're going to do the coin toss. Had you live, tails you die. Um, if you've got some recommendations for us, please send them to moviehilo at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook or Instagram. Let us know your highs or your lows and why these movies are great or why they are terrible. Um, we are going to start getting to the dregs now as far as picking um, good and bad films. we got to pick them on our own, so... Give us some, give us some thoughts. Right. Mm-mm, All right, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good. And it is tails. We die. <laughs> um. All right. So we're doing a low episode. I've got a listener recommendation from Jonah. Jonah writes, I feel like everyone forgets about how astoundingly bad the island of Dr. Moreau was. It's one of those movies that's so awful it almost completely fades from memory or is forced out in order to give the brain much needed space back. Well, Jonah, I think you're correct on that. Is it Jonah Hill? Maybe it's Jonah Hill. If jo- <laughs> Maybe Jonah Hill is the one fan we he have. He said Moneyball is too Moneyball. <laughs> so next week, ladies and gentlemen, we will be doing um, The Island of Dr. Moreau. John Frankenheimer's The Island of Dr. Moreau. Um, although there's another director we'll probably discuss a little bit who originally helmed the project. Uh, the project. The project. But that's all for this week. Thank you very much for listening to Movie High Low, a podcast discussing the best and worst cinema, cinema has, to has to offer. offer. I'm Dom. This is D. See you guys next week. Go down to Marie Calendars. Get me a big bowl. Pies. Ice cream on it. Mmm, good. Put some on your head. Your tongue would slap your brains out trying to get to it. Interested? Yeah. It's turkey time.
Huh? Gobble, gobble. Mm-hmm, good.